0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in lines right here on the Believe Network. As always, I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am joined as always by the all-pro safety for the Detroit Lions. One who we have established without a doubt has the superior hands to his former teammate with 24 career interceptions. It's Glover Quinn Jr.
0: <laughs> I like that. It gets better and better every time. It gets huh. better and better every time.
1: <laughs> Just got to make sure you feel appreciated. Make sure that the fans remember who the heck you are because in case they forgot, They've made a mistake. Your career is unforgettable.
0: Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It is one of those things that, you know, sometimes fans do forget. You know, what I'm saying it's one of those things out of sight, out of mind, right? They haven't, they don't see you for a while. And next thing you know, they forget about you. So sometimes you have to remind them a little bit.
1: And you even see that for Hall of Famers every once in a while, you know, in that seven-year window where they're out of the conversation because they're not hall of fame eligible they're just enjoying their retirement they're not doing the media circus and then all of a sudden it's like oh wait reggie wayne's eligible for the hall of fame Oh, oh okay guess we gotta talk about him a lot now right
0: right and you know and you have that just a new crop of people right i mean it doesn't take long for you know five years things change you know what i'm saying like that new you know, the people that are 18 or 13, 12 and 13, they may not, you know, they, like they may not know or remember or, you know, what I'm saying they caught you at the end of your career when you were, you know, kind of going uh, slowed down a little bit. They wouldn't. They wasn't there when you were in your prime having major seasons and this and this and that. So it's tough, man. It's tough.
1: They don't remember the league-leading 2014 interception season, but we are here to remind them. And especially with the modern league being so offensive-driven, it kind of feels as though the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks, they're the ones that get all the hype while the elite defenders often get slept on. And that seemed to be the case last night where the story was just... Mahomes, Herbert, Herbert, Mahomes, Kelsey, Mahomes, Herbert. Meanwhile, there were some playmakers on that defense last night. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's bleav A V five zero, Bet online where the game starts.
0: Yes, I mean, you know, watching that game last night, San Diego's defense, I I really, like, when I talk about guys in the secondary making plays, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. played an outstanding game last night. It could have been a lot better if he could catch the ball. Okay. So my DBs out there, we really got to work on catching the football. The quarterback is not throwing us the ball. So when we have an opportunity to catch it, we have to make him pay. And I'm speaking to all of the DBs in the league, right? Even in college, if you're listening, catch the ball when it comes to you. But linebacker as well, right? We saw, um, you know, on the defensive line, you know, Bosa, Khalil Mack, like those guys. Derwin James out there making plays, but then you see it on both sides, right? Kansas City had guys making plays too. It was just, it was a, it was a bunch of playmakers out there last night, like you said, and that's why you can get, you know, fireworks on offense and some beautiful plays on defense. That's kind of how a game should be played.
1: It is. It really is. And you know, everyone likes to point to the Rams versus Kansas city, that high flooring high flying game a couple of years ago as one of the greatest of an era, but there's no reason you can't have good defensive play. We had a pick six from Kansas city from the rookie seventh round pick. That was absolutely amazing. We had Derwin James deliver an absolute spine buster on Travis Kelsey and really kept him in check. So Five grabs, 51 yards on, I can't remember how many targets, but what do you think about Derwin James? Because I know you are watching all the safeties around the league and getting ready to give us your upper echelon players.
0: Well, this right here, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Let me plug this in so I can be heard. Okay, so... This right here is what I have to say about Derwin James. I think he's an outstanding football player. I think we saw last night he has great ability, great tackling. You know, he he had a collision with Claude Avers-Hilaire at the backfield. I would like to see him stay up a little bit and make that tackle, but I know Hilaire is a small, compact guy. You know, hard to tackle sometimes. I understand that. Um, He was able to get low on Kelsey and get him up off the ground and make a – you know, a a big time play right there. But it was a couple of plays that I saw from him last night that I want him to try to add to his game. Um, He's a guy that's a big physical type of guy. And a lot of times those guys are looking for hits. I thought it was two passes out there that if he had been looking at the ball, he could have made interceptions on those balls. But the fact that he had his eyes keyed in on the wide receiver or the tight end, he's going for the hit, and the ball just goes right past him. And it's like, okay, it's a split second where you have to make that decision as a defender. Can I get to this ball, or do I need to go for the tackle? And I think if he can evolve to being able to see that point, right, to not just be locked in as I'm going for the tackle, because even on the interception that he caught that was a flag, He wasn't going for the interception on that one. It just kind of fell in his hands. He had his eyes on the target to go make a tackle, and the ball just – you know, the guy got past interference, and the ball just kind of fell in his hands, and he caught it. But he wasn't – he didn't see the ball in the air, and he was going to make an interception on that ball. Um, And so that's something that I would like to see because I was – I like interceptions. Hits are great, don't get me wrong, but the game of football is about winning, and winning gets – You get the ball, so you take the ball away from them. You give the ball to your offense, right? So I would like to see him, you know, evolve in that area and not only want to be a great hitter and tackler, but also want to be a guy that's ball hawking, trying to catch interceptions, forcing fumbles and things like
1: that. And not to compare him to one of the greatest safeties of all time, but it's what we saw from Troy Polamalu for all of those years. He would absolutely lay the wood, but – he would go up at the last second for the one-handed interception. And so it's all about knowing within that split second reaction, how to make the best play possible. And sounds like you believe Derwin James can get it done there.
0: Oh, I don't, I have no doubt that he can get it done. I think I said, like, I think, you know, when you come in as a certain type of player, a certain type of reputation, you see the same things with Jamal Adams, right? He's more of a tackler, physical type of guy you know hate that he's out for the season but you want to see those guys be able to do both right you want to see those guys you look at a guy like harrison smith who's been doing it for a long time he can tackle you and he's also trying to intercept the ball right he's trying to turn the ball over and i definitely think Derwin james can get there he's a phenomenal talent and i think if he just focuses on that he won't lose his tackling edge because that's who he is but if he you know 5 6 interceptions to his to his uh to his season numbers we're going to be talking about all-time great player.
1: And sticking with the interceptions for a moment, how annoying is it that Patrick Mahomes throws four interceptions, two of them get picked up by a flag and two of them are dropped and there is no stat to record that. You know, we talked about last show about how the offense gets credit for the pick six which happened again last night with the rookie jalen watson and we talk about how really it's an offensive game so patrick mahomes no one in a week from now is going to remember he threw four potential picks they're just going to look at the box score they're just going to look at the win
0: right and and you know that's what i said defense got to do a better job of making them pay you know what i'm saying i think asante sammy played great showed great coverage obviously we know what his pedigree is, um and so I w- I, w- I would think his hands would be better, right? I I personally thought he caught the first one, even though it was the juggle. I, did too. I thought he was able to get his hands up under the ball and catch that first one, but they called it incomplete. The second one, that's a big play in the end zone that you have to make, and um he didn't. And you look at Kansas City, they made that play, you know, in the pick six at the end zone, and so things like that you have to do. It. I thought his coverage was outstanding. But yes, Patrick Mahomes, you know, throwing interceptions when when there's flags. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't know if there's gonna be an offensive pass interference, I mean a passing interference call when you make that ball. But uh, I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks and they're throwing it up 50 50 balls. I mean, you're giving your receiver a chance, but you're also giving the DB a chance. More often than not, the, the receivers come down with the ball. But there's gonna be times where the DB make you pay. And so Patrick Mahomes got lucky last night. But if he continues to throw the ball like that and put the ball in in those types of situations, he won't go all season getting lucky like that, and that won't be good for Kansas City.
1: Even for a player as supremely talented and as supremely lucky as Patrick Mahomes, eventually that has to run out. And we saw last night the luck flipped for the Chargers because I really felt like they were in control for most of the game, and then all of a sudden... 99 yard pick six on the goal line. That play combined with the Judson Justin Watson 40 yard TD that was really all it took for Kansas City to get a convincing win, even though they really didn't look like it for three quarters.
0: Right? I mean, you look at those two plays, those are big time plays, right? We always want to say you know, to be a championship caliber team, you got to be able to make big time plays in big time situations. And for Mahomes to make that throw to Watson, that was a beautiful throw on, on the run, on the scramble, stepping up in the pocket, throws a beautiful pass. And, you know, he beats J.C. Jackson That's there a big time corner, you know, high paid guy. And that's a tight end, right? So you would expect J.C. Jackson to be able to make that play. But with the ball that Mahomes threw, he couldn't get there. It's a great catch. And then you look at the execution down at the goal line on on the pick six, tight end. You got to understand, you're at the goal line. You're a big body. You just need to run to that defender and turn around and shield him in the end zone for a touchdown. But when you're tired like he was and you start fading away, barely running around because you're tired, and now you're fading towards the sideline, the quarterback expecting you to pin that guy and turn to the inside. You got a little cornerback that's playing outside leverage on you already run to his inside shoulder, push him outside, turn around, pin him in the end zone, quarterback throws the ball low and away from that defender, and that's a touchdown. But when you're tired and you start to drift, you don't push the DB outside, you don't come back to the ball, you don't, you know what I'm saying, shield him off, and the DB undercuts the inside pass, and now it's a pick six. That's a huge play in the game, and it's just execution, I say, by the tight end. He's tired, well, you got to get out the game. And I know he was trying, but hey, man, if you can't get out the game, that's what it's called being a pro. You got to be able to push yourself in that moment. Those are two critical of moments, especially against a division opponent that you've been battling with year in and year out. Like you got to win that game. You got to go on the road and steal that game. And that's a huge play in the game right there.
1: You really can't afford to phone in a single play in the NFL, no matter what position you are because if you're on the offensive line you're giving up a sack if you're on the defensive line you're getting pancaked if you're a tight end receiver you're giving up an interception and if you're a db you're giving up a touchdown and if you're a quarterback like justin herbert you're playing through what looked like a pretty brutal rib injury at the end of the game and so I was conflicted on this because we all know the story of Matthew Stafford in his rookie season when he came back with the separated shoulder, won the game. We love those stories, and it did pay off in the end with Herbert throwing that fourth down strike to DeAndre Carter and then the touchdown to Canadian Josh Palmer. But on the third down, he was in so much pain, he couldn't even run it for a two, three yard first down, knowing that the slide was was going to hurt that badly. And so at what point should a quarterback or a player in general check themselves out of the game when they're in that much pain? Because I know it did work out in the end for Herbert. He made the plays, but he really struggled for pretty much the entirety up to that point with heavily, heavily injured ribs.
0: You know, and and, and I think that's that right there is something that me personally, I'm not overly I don't want to say impressed, but I don't really like that. It's early in the season. You know, you are in week two. Right. And you got ribs and it's confusing. Right. Your ribs are hurting so bad. You're grimacing on every single play. They're hurting so bad that you couldn't walk. He could have walked for the first down. There was clearly no one in front of him for at least 10 yards. It's third and one. Can you not be tough enough and get that one yard to at least get us the first down? You don't have to slide. You could have just kept running and jogged straight out of bounds, right? But then you come back the next play and throw a dart like that. Like, that's confusing to me. I, I don't understand it, right? So, for me, if you, especially with the score being 27-17, you know, the chances of winning that game at that point is slim. You got to get a touchdown, onside kick, get the ball back. Like, it's, it's slim. And if you're hurting like that, especially in week two, you got to come out. You got to come out and give yourself a chance because, you know, you don't want bruised ribs to turn into broken ribs, right? If they're bruised, hey, start the healing process. It's a Thursday night game. Start the healing process and get yourself out of it. You're down 27-17. You know the D-line is teeing off. They're in pass rush mode. They know you're throwing the ball, and you're just taking hits. They see you grimacing, so they just hitting you every single time. Those are unneeded hits, unnecessary hits for you to add a touchdown to your resume and whatever. You still lost the game, and you took all those extra hits. If you can't run or play, this early in the season, I can understand if it's week 16, week 14, where it's key down the stretch and you need that win, right? It's week two. You still got 14 other games left to play, Lord willing, 15 other games. So you take care of business. This one loss isn't going to hurt you, you know, come playoff time.
1: And when you think about it, he gave up a lot of time on the clock with the rib injuries, missing plays, missing passes, etc. Chase Daniel, the backup quarterback who played in Detroit. I don't think he was there when you were there, was he? No. Yeah, I thought he was after you, but uh, Chase Daniel, he's a quality backup. That's why you have him for moments like this. So maybe you end up in a little bit better position because there's more time on the clock for that comeback. It's kind of what we talked about with Josh Allen, too, in a different sense, where Josh Allen, it's early in the season. They're up. And he is running. He is throwing the stiff arms. He's throwing the shoulder around. You got to protect yourself. You cannot be putting yourself in danger this early in the season.
0: Right. And these quarterbacks have to know, for one, they're the franchise, right? It's hard to win a Super Bowl title without a quarterback. It just is what it is, right? When I'm going through my picks on Sundays, you know, a lot of times, if it's a close game, I'm looking at who got the best quarterback. Because it's so difficult to win without a good quarterback. And I know, you know, that's not the end all be, all right? Cleveland got a great rushing attack. They went into Carolina last week, or they won. They beat up on Carolina last week off the run game, right? Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, all those guys. I understand that. But at the end of the day, you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback, and these guys got to understand that. And I know they get caught up in the emotions of it being week one and you know early in the season, and everybody's excited to play, and we all are. But we want to see you play 17 games. We don't want to see you just play one. We want to see you play 17. And so um, they got to do a better job of protecting themselves.
1: And looking at quarterbacks, one who does protect himself pretty well is Jared Goff. He will be facing off against the quarterback drafted directly after him at number two, Carson Wentz with the Washington Commanders. And, you know, in years past, that would be all everyone could talk about is one one overall versus two overall. But we saw this with Jameis and uh, Marcus Mariota as well. Once you kind of move on to a new team or you've lost the the shine of that number one overall, number two overall pick, people just stop talking about it. Where it's not Goff versus Wentz anymore. It is just the commanders versus the Lions.
0: Right. That's the case for the, you know, the media, but that's not the case for those players. Okay. Jared Goff know he wasn't number one overall pick, and Carson Wentz know he was number two. So they may not say anything, but Carson Wentz know that this was the quarterback that was picked ahead of me. The same way these wide receivers or these DBs or these people know the guys that were picked ahead of him. And you and you might say, well, it only occurs when a guy was a fourth or fifth rounder and, you know, he felt like he should have been a second rounder. And now he got a chip on his shoulder because because all these guys got drafted ahead of him. Yeah, but it's the same thing when you've got an opportunity to be the number one overall pick in a draft and they take another quarterback in your position and you go number two, it's different when you're Aiden Hutchinson and they take a quarterback or they take somebody else or, you know what I'm saying, at one and then a the D lineman, I mean, and they take you at two, right? When it's a quarterback and a quarterback or it's the same position, like, you wish you would have been number one. So you got that chip on your shoulder, especially when you're going against those guys. And, you know, no, they're not covering each other, but it's my team as the quarterback against your team as a quarterback. And whoever plays better from the quarterback position, most of the time will win.
1: And this game, the Lions are favored to win by one point as of last night, according to our sponsors at BetOnline.ag. And with that in mind, that will be the first time the Lions have been favored in a game in, I think, 24 matchups.
0: How do you go a whole season and you're not favored to win one game? I mean, that's a whole season and almost a half. How do you not favor to win one game? Wow. Come on, Vegas.
1: It's been a tough go for the Lions, but we're looking to turn that around by picking off Carson Wentz, who threw two interceptions versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he also threw four touchdowns. He threw one to Terry McLaurin. He threw one to Curtis Samuel, who is now kind of operating in that Debo Samuel role for carries eight catches and then he threw two to the rookie Jahan Dotson so there's playmakers on offense for the commanders but I think that the Lions can make some plays as well
0: yeah I, I think they can I think you know last week like we talked about right AJ Brown made some plays on us I understand that um, but a lot of it was created off of what Jalen Hurts could do with his with his feet Um, He kept the chains moving forward. He kept us off balance. Yes, Carson Wentz can move around, but I don't expect him to be a Jalen Hurts type of runner. Um, So I think we will get tested more in the drop back passing game. So it's a good challenge for our DBs early in the season, going against some talented wide receivers, a good quarterback in, in Carson Wentz, and to see how can we hold up because in our division, you know, Green Bay is down at the wide receiver spot. You know, Minnesota has some good receivers, right? Minnesota has good receivers. Chicago, um, you know, we can cover those guys, right? So if we can if we can show early in the season that teams that got good receivers, we got DBs, we got playmakers, and we can match up, that's only going to help them later on when they're challenging those guys and then the D-line get going, and it's going to make the defense better. So I'm excited to see this matchup with the wide receivers from Washington and the DBs from Detroit.
1: Very much so, especially after last week, Jeff Akuda followed Devonte Smith around, blanked him completely. I'm interested to see who faces up against who this week. Are they going to keep Amani on the number one in Terry McLaurin and put Jeff on the outside against the rookie Jahan Dotson? Will they move him around with Curtis Samuel in the slot? There is a lot of fun to be had in this matchup. Just, Watching who covers who, and watching the Commanders in general because Ron Rivera, head coach, he was the head coach of Jonathan Stewart, the running back for the Carolina Panthers, who we face in fantasy this week.
0: Right, and I think it's going to be a long week for Jonathan Stewart. Obviously, we didn't get off to a great start last night. I don't think with Herbert or Kelsey. So we got a couple guys that got to come to work on uh, on Sunday. But we got to get this win no matter what. So DeAndre Swift, we need you to step up in a major way. So that means the Lions need to give him the ball because we need you to step up in a major way, okay? Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I am excited for the Detroit Lions. I'm excited for DeAndre Swift because he did practice today. He missed Wednesday with the ankle injury. He missed Thursday with the ankle injury. Got in a session today, and if you remember last year, he had the shoulder injury, and that would happen often. He would miss Wednesday, Thursday. Good to go on Friday. No limitations, so let's hope that's the case. However, his offensive line has quite a few injury designations, too. We know they lost right guard Hal Vitae, left tackle uh, Taylor Decker. He was out Wednesday, limited on Thursday with a calf. Frank Ragnow was out Wednesday and Thursday with a groin and a foot. And Jonah Jackson was limited Wednesday and out Thursday with a finger. So I know that's a lot of information, but I just kind of want to know what happens with the injury report. So Ragnow he's steady, not practicing Decker. His status is improving throughout the week. Whereas Jackson, his status is getting worse practicing and then not. So What does all of that mean? Am I reading too much into it?
0: I mean, it's not reading too much into it. You want to see them kind of on a steady incline, not a decline. You don't want to see a guy go from, you know, full participant to uh, limited or, you know, out or things like that. But you do have some days where, you know, they may see what they look like on Wednesday. If they look like they okay, but they need a little rest, they may give them Thursday off. But generally Thursday is the work day. So sometimes you're going to see guys take days off on Wednesdays as opposed to Thursday. So the the, the injury report, you know, it, it varies, it changes. It's, it's, it's all types of different things. So the best thing to do is just to look at it on Friday, right? Look at it on Friday when it comes out, when they start giving you game day, hopefully game day designations of if guy's going to be doubtful, he's probably not going to play. If guy's, you know, questionable, he's probably going to play. If he's out, he's out, you know. So I wouldn't look too much into it early in the week, um, you know, they got to report it. anything. Right. So if a guy don't practice just because, you know, he got a stomachache, they got to put him as a out. Right. So I wouldn't look too much into it early in the week. I just keep my eye on it. And, and Friday when they come out with the today, I think at four o'clock, you know, we'll see what the injury report is looking like. And you can start to make some some decisions based off of that.
1: Good to know. Good to know. And just got an update. The injury report will be out at four o'clock. But Dan Campbell says we're not going to see now today. We're not going to see Jonah Jackson today. But they're day to day, hoping they can play Sunday. And unfortunately, Amani Oruwari popped up with a back injury yesterday on Thursday. And today he's not practicing as well either. He is also listed as day to day, but they're hopeful he can return. How often do these injuries, because he was fine on Wednesday, full participant, is that something that lingers from the weekend typically or is it something that pops up in practice maybe the night after or is it both?
0: Well, that's something to to keep an eye on, right? Because if you go from a full participant on Wednesday to a participant on Thursday, but then you're out today, Friday is generally one of the most important days because you're going red zone, you're going, you know, situation and stuff. You, you, this is your last day of practice before you go and play. So Friday is a typically uh important day. So for a guy to be a full participant and then now he's ruled as out or didn't practice today and they list him day to day, that's concerning because he could be having some back issues, back tightness, back spasms, something that was tough enough critical enough for him not to practice today and so to be listed as day-to-day is kind of like one of those things where we just got to see how he's feeling tonight you know let's see how he's feeling on sunday and if it's not any better then he probably won't be able to play uh if it gets better then obviously he'll be able to play but those are those are the ones that that's that's kind of concerning when a guy has been you know full participant then gets listed on the injury report and then he's listed as out That's, that's a different one.
1: Yeah. I'm starting to worry about it too. Just with those comments, Jeff Akuda would step into that number one CB role. Will Harris would step onto the field as well. So it's not as though there's no plan in place if Oruwari misses, but you never want to be without one of your starters on defense, especially in a must win game against the commanders and maybe must wins a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but it feels as though we need to see a win from the Lions.
0: Yes, they do. They need to get this win big time. I think, you know, they they still have the the nation, the national crowd from the Hard Knocks, the great job they did with that series. So I think the, everybody's still excited about the Lions, but they got to get a win. They can't start out 0-2 or people are going to start to write them off again. So. They played a tough game in Philly. It was a close game, right? Last week in Detroit, they played a close game against Philly, and they 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 did that a lot last year, right? A lot of close games that they didn't pull out the, the victory. So they have to get this victory against the Commanders. If they want to continue to, to have that national momentum, that national excitement, people expecting the Lions to do something, if they start out 0-2, it's going to be very difficult.
1: It is. It is. And one of the the two biggest things on the Lions offense I'm going to be looking for. Number one, of course, DeAndre Swift. We saw James Robinson. He's coming off an Achilles tear that he suffered at the end of the season. And he averages six yards a carry and a touchdown on 11 carries. And then Travis Etienne in his first NFL game coming off the Liz Frank he averages over 11 yards per carry on the ground could have had two TDs had Trevor Lawrence thrown a little bit more accurate ball so I think DeAndre Swift is absolutely going to eat and the number two matchup I'm watching for is Amon Ross St. Brown versus their slot corner because last week Christian Kirk six receptions 117 yards as the slot receiver. That is where Amon Ross St. Brown makes his bread and butter with eight receptions in seven straight games, a Lions franchise record, I believe.
0: Yes, and I, and I I would expect those matchups to go in the Lions' favor, just like you said. I expect a big game from DeAndre Swift, and I think they're going to see that if when they feed him, it makes the offense tick. So I would expect him to get more than 15 carries this game and then like you said amon ross st brown i mean he's he's the guy that's in the slot he's moving the chains he's keeping the things going eight catches in all these games i mean that's a lot of catches right you want to see these eight catches turn into multiple hundred yard games right i mean eight catches for 60 yards i mean you're catching the ball but we're not really getting a lot of yardage out of these catches so we want to get eight catches but let's start getting up in the 90 100 120 yard range want a touchdown here or there and now we're going to the next level so i would expect and hope to see some of those things on sunday
1: let's hope for a big game from our offense let's hope from a big game from our defense and before we get you out of here i just want to get your takes on all of these games coming up lines are brought to you by our sponsors at bet online Steelers versus Patriots. Patriots are favored by two points. Mac Jones actually, he had the stomach issue yesterday that you were talking about, and that has to be listed as illness. And of course, everyone freaks out when they see illness in 2022 because they're worried it's going to be a longer term thing.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, you know, I I I think I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this game. I don't think you know New England just they just don't look explosive to me offensively. I don't know if they're ready to 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 Make a move, make a push. I didn't see anything last week in the running game or the passing game. Not exciting. And I think, you know, Pittsburgh has enough on defense. Those guys are making plays. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's changing the scoreboard. Right. So I I think Pittsburgh defense will stifle um, New England. They'll be tougher. They're going to play with a chip and edge. And as long as Mitchell Trubisky don't lose the game for those guys, I think they'll be fine. Najee Harris is back practicing, so hopefully he don't have any limitation with his foot. Yes, you're going to be without T.J. Watt, but I think they have enough veterans, enough guys on that defense in Pittsburgh that they can go and, and get a win against New England. So I'm going with Pittsburgh in that one. I'm, I'm not impressed with New England right now. And, you know, they'll be starting out 0-2, which is not good for New England.
1: It is not good at all. The media is going to be all over Bill Belichick. And the New York media is all about this Giants team. Seeing Brian Dable, just the energy that he brought, different from Joe Judge, different from Tom Coughlin, different from Ben McAdoo. Giants favored by two at home versus the Panthers. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think they should get a win. You know, if they play the way they played last week, you know, Saquon Barkley stay effective like he was last week. Um, I, I think they could beat the, the the Panthers. We saw the run game big in in Cleveland last week against the Panthers. Um, I don't think the Panthers have enough to beat the Giants. So I'm going to ride with the Giants on that one. Hopefully they can stay with that same momentum, continue to get Saquon Barkley the ball, and and – I don't want to say it's going to be an easy game, but I think they'll do enough to beat the Panthers.
1: That was really beautiful to see last week. A healthy Saquon Barkley is just good for football. He is. It's just great
0: when the stars are healthy and they can play. I mean, these guys, all these guys in the NFL are great, but the stars are, they're, they're great, man. They're great players to watch play. And you just love it when they're healthy and they can go out and perform. And, you know, when, when we all love it, when the good guys play good, You know, those are the best games. Last night, when the good players are playing well, you're going to have some good offensive plays. You're going to have some good defensive plays. And it's just going to be a great game to watch. Um, That's what you want to see. You want to see the good players healthy and playing good. So hopefully Saquon can stay healthy, stay on the field, and continue to play well and give the fans what they want to see.
1: Love that from Saquon. Love that for all the players in the NFL. Unfortunately, the Jets will be without their starting quarterback, Zach Wilson. Instead, they will have Joe Flacco once again, as the Browns are favored by three and a half at home.
0: Yeah, I got to go with the Browns in that one. I mean, you saw what they did last week, you know, with the run game. They lean in on those guys. So I, I would expect that to continue. And like I've always said, as long as Jacoby Brissett don't lose the game for those guys. I think they can do enough offensively, and I think they got enough defensively to uh, to beat the Jets.
1: Last year, Carson Wentz lost the game for the Colts against the Jaguars. This year, they've got Matt Ryan. Colts favored by four in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, I'm going with Colts in that one. Like I said, I think last week we I expected more from the Colts, bringing over Matt Ryan, hopefully solidifying that offense with the running back they have and the defense that they have and them looking like the favorites in the AFC South. But they didn't play that way last week. They came to Houston, ended in a tie. Definitely wasn't expecting that. That was obviously, to me, that was a win for the Houston Texans. Um, But I think they'll come out this week and play better. I think they'll, they'll play better. They'll get in the groove a little bit better. And I think they'll do enough to beat Jacksonville. But Jacksonville does look better. They look you know, like they could be more competitive, Trevor Lawrence, in the second year. It's going to take them a little time. I think they can make it competitive. They got some good players, but I think India sneak out of there with the win.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head there. Jacksonville is a year away from being a year away still, but they're going <laughs> to compete. <laughs> you like that one, eh?
0: A year away from being a year away. That's a good one. I like yeah.
1: that. Team that thinks they are... Here right now, Baltimore Ravens host the Miami Dolphins. Ravens are favored by three and a half over Tua Tagovailoa.
0: You know that's going to be a good game. That's going to be a good game because I thought both of those teams looked pretty good on Sunday. I thought the Miami defense flew around and made plays, and obviously you got Tyreek Hill and Tua, and you know Jalen Water catching that slant and showing some real explosive speed. Um, to take it a distance last week. So I, I like what Miami is doing. I like the energy that they're playing with. But you can't discredit Baltimore as well, right? Lamar Jackson having a big game, big pass last week for a touchdown. Their defense is always going to be, you know, a good defense, tough, physical, you know, making plays. So that's going to be a good game. That's going to be a good game. It'll be a good battle. I don't know exactly what I got right now on that one. I don't know. Who's the home team?
1: Uh, Ravens are at home.
0: Ravens are at home ah uh, I don't know that's gonna be a good game that that that's one of those games when you're making your picks you know you you sitting there you're wondering ah uh, I don't know um I'm probably gonna go with Miami Ooh. um but that's gonna be a good game
1: it is. And one of the things Lamar Jackson has talked about is last year against the Dolphins. They loved to run that all out blitz. They love to bring six, seven, eight defenders against Lamar, make him make a quick decision. And so that is one of the things Lamar says he's been working on all off season through training camp, how to beat those all out blitzes. So I'm excited to see how that works out. And I'm excited to see the Buccaneers at the saints, see- Buccaneers are favored by two and a half, but we know for whatever reason, Tom Brady has struggled against the Saints since joining Tampa Bay.
0: Right. And and that's just kind of how it is, right? You have some of those teams that you always play well against, right? You have some teams that you always struggle against, just regardless of who's in there, quarterback, whatever. Doesn't matter. You just seem to struggle against that team. And that team for Tom Brady is the New Orleans Saints. So New Orleans Saints having, you know, Mike Thomas back catching a couple touchdowns last week, you know, the defense that they have. Tampa, you know, being without Chris Godwin, I like Julio, I like Mike Evans, I like Leonard Fournette, but Tom struggles against those guys. Tampa's defense played really well last weekend. Those linebackers that they have, Avante David, Devon White, Devin White, I I think that's his name, like those guys played phenomenal last week. They've been playing well for a few years now we um, got guys in the secondary that can make plays. That's going to be another good game. That's one of those games where they playing at home. Who's at home?
1: Uh, The Saints are at home. They're underdogs that's, at home.
0: That's going to be a good game. I'm going to probably go with the Saints. I'm probably going to go with the Saints in that
1: one. I totally get that. Tom Brady, for whatever reason, not even just with Drew Brees. It was with Jameis, too. Tom Brady against the Saints is a... Weird matchup brings us to the four o'clock slate starts with Seahawks at 49ers and the Niners are eight and a half point favorites at home.
0: You know, that's a big favorite, you know, coming off off of what the 49ers showed last week and what Seattle showed last week. I mean, I think we saw that Seattle's defense can do enough to keep them in the game, you know, so to say that they're going to the 49ers offense is going to be that explosive to beat them by eight points. That's that's a big, big favorite. It's George Kittle playing.
1: He is day-to-day. It's going to be a game-time decision.
0: Okay, so he does make their offense better. But, I, you know, we, we had conditions last week in Chicago. I would need to see something more from, from San Francisco. I saw enough from, from Seattle to feel like, hey, you know what? They got a solid defense. You know, they're going to struggle. Well, I'm not going to say they're going to struggle. But they're going to be without Jamal Adams this week, right? So they're going to lose a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type player in Jamal Adams, right? Uh, but I think they showed enough last week that they can play tough on defense. And they got enough playmakers on offense with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Geno making a throw whenever he needs to make it. long as he don't lose the game, I think I might have to go with Seattle to win that one.
1: And that's the thing is the spreads in the afternoon slate on Sunday are so wide because we got the Rams hosting the Falcons too. Rams are favored by 10 points coming off that loss to the bills.
0: You know, I, I, I think they can do it on paper. Like I said, I wasn't impressed with what I saw from the Rams in open that night. Right. I, I wasn't impressed. I didn't see a lot of explosion on offense. Yes, they got Cooper Cup, but that was really all I saw. Um, so I, I think they're gonna make an assertive effort to get Allen Robinson involved in the game plan early, get him some targets. I, I, I think the Rams will win the game, but to say they're gonna beat them by ten points, this is the NFL. I don't know. I.
1: The Falcons looked sneaky last week. The too. Falcons
0: didn't. They didn't look as bad as people probably expected them to look. So I. I mean, if I'm picking off the spread, I'm probably got to go with Atlanta. If I'm picking straight up, I'm probably going to go with the Rams just because. But it's not like the Rams have shown me that they're going to absolute beat the Falcons.
1: And the second 10-point spread is another team that disappointed in week one. Broncos hosting the Texans. People must love this rebound narrative for the Rams and the Broncos. 10 points against the Texans who tied the Colts, though. That seems like a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know where they're getting these spreads from. I do think Denver will win the game. I think they're going to, you know, put more on Russ, right? They're going to come out of that game saying, hey, man, we paid this guy all this money. Like, let's let's give him an opportunity to win the game, right? Let's give him a chance to, to do something. We're going to put more on Russ. I think the Texans, you know, coming out and getting a tie against the Colts probably woke a lot of people up like, okay, well, we can't automatically count this Texans game as a win. So we got to go in and play football, but I don't think the Texans are do enough to, to win against Denver. I think Denver gets that win and, and get to one and one.
1: Bengals looking to get to one and one too. They face the Cowboys without Dak Prescott. Cowboys are at home, but Bengals are favored by a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's where you should have the 10-point favorite right there, right? They didn't look great on defense last week, and then they didn't score any points last week. They, they were the only team in the NFL, I think, that didn't score a touchdown in week one. And now you take away the quarterback. I don't expect them to score this week. The only way they may score is if they just lean heavily on, on Zeke which would be good for our fantasy team. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have enough to beat Cincinnati. So I got to go Cincinnati with that one.
1: Final game of the 4 o'clock slate. We've got the Cardinals at the Raiders. Raiders are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think they to do that. You know, the Cardinals didn't show anything last week against Kansas City. They came on late in the game, but that game was over with early. Kansas City did whatever they want against their defense. They got to get something fixed over there in in, in in Arizona. So I don't know if they'll be able to slow down Devontae Adams and David Carr. I mean Derek Carr. Um, I, I'm going with with Oakland or Las Vegas, the Raiders in that game. I don't think Arizona and they're struggling offensively. You know, no D no D Hop early in the season. They're they're struggling offensively so I, I i gotta go with the raiders in that one
1: and reading about the cardinals defense it's starting to sound like many of the miscommunications on defense there's people not lined up in the right spots sounds like they really missed jordan hicks the linebacker and captain last year who went to the minnesota vikings and replacing leadership is always hard
0: it's no, no question. Especially a guy that's making calls, getting guys lined up. You look at those linebackers. He's in the middle. He's controlling and helping out with the D-line, the secondary, all those guys. So when you take a guy like that out of the mix, you take him away, you're going to have some problems with the communication, especially early in the season. Somebody has to step up. You know, you look at Buda Baker. It's hard for the safety to control everybody because he's in the back. Yeah, he can control the secondary and linebackers, but the D-line can't hear him. There's somebody in that linebacker group. It has to step up and take control of the communication and make sure everybody's on the same page and make sure the defense is playing well. I think they still got Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator right there. He's a great coach. I know him personally. So as I know that's not something that he coaches or stands for. So I would expect Arizona defense to play better, but I don't think they do enough to get the win.
1: I don't think they have the horses at cornerback to slow down Devontae Adams, right. and I'm wondering if the Bears have the horses to hang with the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. Packers are favored by ten points after getting the breaks beat off by the Vikings.
0: That's that's that's. I don't know what Vegas is doing. Like I'm hoping that the Packers can score ten points, let alone win by ten <laughs> points. Right? I mean. You look at their offense last week, they looked awful. I'm just going to say it. They looked awful, right? They didn't – I mean, the guy runs right by Patrick Peterson early in the game and he drops wide open touchdown. Like, you know, when when the media and everybody's making a big deal out of Aaron's talking about it, it only puts more pressure on those wide receivers. And they start to think about it more and more and more. So we're going to continue to see drops. We're just going to see it. Those guys are young, inexperienced wide receivers, you know, their veteran guys got to step up. Ronda Cobb has to do more. Sammy Watkins has to do more. But those guys are older. Ronda Cobb, it's harder to get separation in the slot when you're slowing down and these guys are speeding up, right? They're getting younger. You're getting older. So it's harder for him to get separation and be explosive. Same thing with Sammy Watkins out there on the edge. It's tough going against these young, explosive corners, and you're out there on the edge as an as older person. So they got to do a little bit more. I don't know who I want to pick in that game because you want to trust Aaron Rodgers. You want to trust what they can do and what they've done and shown over these years. And you just don't really know what Chicago can do. Like I said, we saw them in the dirty, nasty game last week, and they were down 10-0, right? And they started making a couple plays, and the run game came through. And, you know, those that's their type of, you know, environment that Chicago has, you know, loved to play in, dirty, nasty, but if they're playing not in that, do they have enough to keep up with Green Bay? But Green Bay don't have. Ah, I'm torn.
1: Can they so both I might just, I might just and- have to
0: go with the quarterback and go with Aaron Rodgers.
1: I get that. I'd prefer if they just both lost, put the Lions in a better position. I know <laughs> it's a tie, but if we can just get a, a L in the column for both of them, I'd be happy with that. No question. Then we come to Monday and we are blessed with two Monday night football games. First, we have the Titans at the Bills. Bills are favored by 10, and then we have Vikings at Eagles where the Vikings are favored by 2. Or no, sorry, Eagles are favored by 2.
0: Eagles favored by 2 over the Vikings. Absolutely. I like that. I liked what I saw from the Eagles last week. I think, you know, and Devontae Smith didn't have a catch, right? So I think he's going to wake up this week. He's a big-time player. You still got Jalen Hurts. You still got uh, those running backs. that have four different guys score a touchdown, right? So they got a stable of running backs. And then you got A.J. Brown, you know, to get the tight end involved. I think Philly does, and their defense is, is tough. Uh, I think Philly has enough to beat uh, Minnesota. Although Minnesota played well last week, but like I said, they played against Green Bay. Like Justin Jefferson put on the show, obviously – with nine catches, 180 some yards, a couple of touchdowns, he put on the show. I can't sit here and say that they're gonna allow him to do that this next week. So somebody else is gonna have to step up, and I don't know who that's gonna be. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia because you know I know Slay probably gonna be on Justin Jefferson at some point, some form of fashion. You know, even with Bradbury on the other side, they got corners that can match up with Justin Jefferson and slow him down. At least he's probably still going to make some big plays. He's an incredible wide receiver, but I'm going to have to go with Philly in this one.
1: I get that. You got to root for your boy, Darius Slay. We got to hope that he can shut down Justin Jefferson, maybe give the Lions the key on how to slow him down. Before we get you out of here, back to Lions versus commanders for a second. I just want to know in your extensive career, Did you have any big memories against the commanders or whatever they were called during your time?
0: I remember back when I was younger playing with the Texans and I can't remember if it was my second year, one of those years we go to Washington and we're playing and you know, you get the iconic picture, the iconic play from the great Andre Johnson. We're losing or we're down in the fourth quarter. Matt Schaub rolls out to the right. He's probably on about the forty-yard line. It's the last play of the game, I think it was. Matt Schaub rolls out to the right. We had Andre Johnson on the left hand side. We had trips to the right. We had one guy backside Andre. We roll out to the right like we're doing hail mary. And Schaub throws the ball all the way back to the left, and Andre Johnson goes up over Chris Doughty or Reed Doughty, one of those safeties that they had back in the back in the years in in Washington and he makes an incredible catch, and then he spikes the ball, and someone took a photo, and he was kind of in the same pose and posture as Muhammad Ali was when he knocked somebody out. It's an iconic picture. That was a great moment. And then, you know, myself, um, I've, I've played against the, the commanders of the Redskins, had a fun recovery my first year in Detroit against the Redskins in week two. We went out there and played those guys. Um, and then Anquan Bolden had the big catch for a touchdown to put us over the Washington Redskins at the time um, in Detroit. I think it was 2016 or one of those years. So I've had some really, really, really close games with the with the Redskins, or the commanders. And um, it's been fun. It was fun to go to D.C. and play. And be in that environment, I grew up a Redskins fan. My dad was a Redskins fan back in the days with Mark Rippon and Art Monk and and all those guys that they had at wide receiver, Darrell Green. I was a fan, and so it was cool for me to go out there and play. Um, Needless to say, I don't know if I ever lost to the Redskins. Maybe. I don't know. I had to check the record. Um, But the Redskins are fun, so hopefully the Lions can continue uh that tradition of beating the commanders no longer the Redskins and they can get the win on Sunday.
1: Love to hear it. Hopefully we can get a fumble recovery from the secondary, maybe a pick or two, or maybe we can have a wide receiver recreate that epic. Well, we actually, I don't I don't want to recreate that because that would mean that it's a last second play. I, I prefer we win by a little bit more than the last second. But you know what I mean. I hope oh, yeah. we see lots of fun stuff on Sunday versus the Commanders. Glover, thank you as always for coming on here, giving us all the knowledge we need. Any pluggables you want to plug before we get you out of here?
0: Nah, nothing right now. Like I said, I got a few things in the works, a few things coming through the pipeline. Should be exciting. I'm I'm excited about it. So stay tuned for those coming later on. But as of right now, we got the lobos this week playing against UTEP, hopefully they get a win. Um, But that's really about it for me.
1: Go Lobos, go Lions. Check out our sponsors at BetOnline. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, rate, review. And until Sunday, we will see you next time.